Well, welcome to this week's episode of Conversations, and I'm really excited that we have our guest that we have this week. Uh, joining in, in the conversation, we have Ken Peters, who's pastor over at Covenant Church up in Spokane. So welcome, and glad we could sit down and chat and have this conversation. Well, it's an honor to be with you today, Jeff. I, I've uh, paid close attention to you over the last couple of years, and uh, you're, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of yours. Oh. <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it's true. I, I love watching you, and I love hearing what you have to say, and I think you're a, a great blessing to the body of Christ. So it's an honor to be uh, with you today. Well, thank you very much. I, I don't often get that kind of uh, encouragement from pastors, but it's uh, it's definitely encouraging. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do from this one. You okay. Do from the- thank you very much. Really appreciate it. And so, what, like like I do every every week, I would love to have you share your testimony and how God saved you and has been working in your life and that sort of thing. And so, the floor is yours. Absolutely. Well, you know, I grew up as a pastor's kid in in a. Uh, Pentecostal, like holiness type of environment and church. And my mom and dad are great, great people still to this day. Love the Lord and and still are doing ministry uh, in their 70s. So I bless them and honor them. But uh, went to Bible college at an independent Baptist Bible college. And so I've got all these conflicting, you know, groups going on and things. And in the process of Bible college, I got connected with the Word of Faith movement. And uh, as a young Bible college kid, seeing the big churches and the the big time preachers and the TV sets and the pinstripe suits, uh, the the bright lights really grabbed me. Um, not that it was all bad. I, I did discover, kind of have my little Martin Luther experience of of uh, righteousness uh, imputed uh, by faith and not by works. And, and that was big because, you know, growing up in a holiness Pentecostal uh, environment, without hearing the gospel made plain, you start believing that you're saved by by good works and you become, you know, another form of Catholicism right. uh, in your heart, at least. And uh, and that's how it was for me. So I discovered that. And that was a that was probably the, the one blessing, you know, the big blessing that, that I got that. But uh, just just got connected and, and sucked up into the faith and prosperity movement. And, and what young guy, what young preacher doesn't want to be rich and famous mm-hmm. yeah. and, and conquer the world and w- without understanding, you know, proper biblical doctrine and, and theology. Um, and you know, when you see these guys and they talk so well and they look so good, um, just you just believe everything they say and you're not checking the text you're not checking the scripture and and so i i got caught up in that planted a church believe it or not eventually i did a couple of youth pastor stints married my my wonderful wife beautiful wife we have four kids um planted a faith and prosperity church uh we called our church covenant faith center okay. and you know it's a word of faith you know, it's a word of faith church. If the, there's the word faith and center. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so dead giveaway. But yeah, exactly. um, yeah. And so my heroes were Copeland and Casey Treat and and, uh, uh, you know, I could go on down the list of Joel Osteen. Mm-hmm. I, I even I would even do in my services. This is my Bible. Oh, yeah. I have what it says I have. Yeah. I, I saw a meme the other day where where uh, some Joel Osteen's holding up the Bible saying, I am what it says I am. And, and there's a picture right beside it. Somebody goes, 
it says you're a heretic. But <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it, it cracked me up. But yeah, uh, totally. no, so I, I've, I followed Joel Osteen and we were patterning our church after that because Joel Osteen's church has, you know, 30,000 people in it. And I want a big church. So, mm-hmm. you know, let's let's make this happen. Let's learn Joel Osteen's tricks and right. preach the pos- positive motivation, leadership, success, earthly success, not eternal success, earthly mm-hmm. success type of hype. What, what and, was, let me ask you this. What, what, yeah. what was the, what, what was the initial attraction into coming into word of faith and the Joel Osteen kind of crowd? Was it, was it, um, you know, because I know like when you're going into ministry and that sort of thing, that can be a huge draw in the sense of like, I want to build a big church and you know, you know, it's, you're kind of um, convincing yourself of kind of like this positive message and that sort of thing. But going back to initially, what what was your draw into Word of Faith? You know, I think it it really was the fact that they were winning that uh, the big crowds. And, you know, I grew up in a small country church and, and my dad really never cleared 80 people. Mm-hmm. And so to suddenly be in the big city of Dallas and see all these huge churches and, and their word of faith churches to just think that maybe I could be a pastor like that. Yeah. Um, it just grabbed my heart. And I, and at the time, even though I was called of God and I had, I had the call of God to preach in my, in my heart and in my life. Um, I, I didn't realize that I was chasing after, even though it was done in a Christian Form and in a church format, I was chasing after the same things that the world is chasing after. Right. Earthly success, fame, you know, wealth. And I, I didn't realize that. But yeah, that, I think that's what grabbed me, just the earthly success and prosperity type of thing. You don't even realize uh, that it's poison. Mm-hmm. It, it just kind of grabs you. Right. For sure. So, so then, so then you're, you're in the word of faith and you're, you're following the Copelands and the Osteens and that sort of thing. So where, where did that journey take you into getting you out of that whole scene? Yeah, that was, I, I'm, I'm still grateful to God uh, to this day for that. But, uh, I have a brother-in-law and, uh, his, his name is Chris and I'll leave mm-hmm. it at that. Yeah. But he is a faithful member of John Piper's church in, in Minneapolis, uh, St. Paul in mm-hmm. that area. And, uh, he began to watch my sermons, stream them online, and then just confront me over and over again. And so now I'm getting, I'm getting frustrated because I don't have answers for his theological questions and challenges. Right. And so I'm like, I, I need some help here. This guy's killing me. I've got nothing to say back to him that, that sounds, and I'm a pastor. I, I'm supposed to know this theology stuff, totally. which is funny because in the, in the word of faith and that, that movement, um, theology is not focused on at all, Jeff. Mm-hmm. It, it's all pragmatism. It's, it's whatever works, yeah. you do it. And mm-hmm. if, if, if it means having a big entertainment circus for Sunday morning, if it'll get people there and you can get people saved from it, then, then do it. So it's, it's just total pragmatism. But through that, um, I began to study the old guys. Um, I began to study, uh, uh, Charles Spurgeon Mm -hmm. and, and just anybody that was old and dead, 
Right. And Jonathan Edwards, uh, John Wesley, even and and George Whitfield and just anybody that was old and dead. And so I'm reading these guys and I'm exploding. I'm exploding because you know how with the spirit of truth in us, when you hear that truth and you see it in the scripture and you see it in the text, it it burns in you and you know that you know that you know. And I thought to myself, this was kind of like my moment. I thought to myself, either Copeland is right or Spurgeon's right. Right, yeah. They can't both be right. Because Copeland's saying this, and it's in direct opposition and contradiction to what Spurgeon is saying. Yeah. So literally, I came to this fork in the road that it's either Copeland or Spurgeon. Who am I going to pick? One of them is speaking the truth, and one of them is twisting it. And of course— and of course, I mean, give me a break. Copeland, <laughs> Spurgeon. Yeah. Hey, so that, that, hey that's, Co- that's Copeland, Copeland is worth about three quarters of a billion dollars. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and then you read about, uh, you know, you read about an old guy, John Wesley, my, uh, although he had different soteriology than Spurgeon. Mm-hmm. Wesley's uh, uh, belief on, on financial wealth and prosperity. I mean, Wesley died with a couple of spoons and a, a bowl in his house, Right, gave millions away. And, and I thought, man, who do I respect more? The guy with the private jet mm-hmm. or the guy like a Wesley or a Whitfield or an Edwards or, or, or who, who die with nothing because they've been laying up treasure in heaven right. and not on earth. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was kind of what happened. So it was my, antagonistic brother-in-law that God used yeah. to set me free. Totally. Yeah. And, and what's interesting is that as I'm kind of having some of these conversations, that that theme seems to keep coming up. Like a couple weeks ago, I was talking to uh, Ian Giotti, who's an actor. He was in that movie, The Great Outdoors and that sort of thing. And he was explaining that he was an atheist and his bro- his brother-in-law or future brother-in-law at the time would literally get into like shouting arguments with him over you're going to hell, like you're in sin, you need to repent and whatever it was. And God used that to bring him out of that. Like, it's it's interesting seeing how God uses the people around us that it's like the brother-in-law or uh, I think it was last week I was talking, talking to Dustin Faulkner, who it was the FedEx delivery guy who called him out and brought him to repentance. It's, it's crazy when you think about how God uses the people around you that you would just, you wouldn't even assume he'd use. Absolutely, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, I would have never suspected my wife's sister's husband would be be the one to uh, get me kicked out of my work. I literally got kicked out. Yeah, um, I got expelled. I think I put something on Facebook about Joel Osteen, mm-hmm. and I got warned to be quiet. Yep. And I'm kind of like you, Jeff. I'm not super quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, like like I, I I had I had a similar experience. Like I was, and this is before I was really getting into studying theology. Like I was. I grew up in the whole MacArthur crowd and that sort of thing, um, but you know, going to a small private Christian college, it the focus was more on the like the seeker sensitive and the word of wow. faith guys, and basically whoever was big and famous, though that's who you need a model after, right? And mm-hmm. so I was a worship leader at a church in Arizona, and you know, it comes to find out they're like total Ed Young, Joel Olstein fans. And I found out later that the sermons were bought from Ed Young's sermon website where he prepares all the sermons, all the PowerPoint, all the whatever it is, all you have to show, all you have to do is show up, 
all the verses already laid out. You just throw in your anecdotes and then that, and then you go from there. And I remember that I would I was trying to lead a Bible study with the band, uh, you know, for band practice and that sort of thing. And we went through a MacArthur book and I and I was told flat out, you're not allowed to do that. And I'm like, this is like we're talking about like the cross and the gospel or whatever it is. Like, no, you might you might make them feel bad. And it's like. So we need to stick with the Joel Osteens and the Ed Youngs. And so I remember there was one Sunday when I was looking out in the audience as we're leading worship. And I'm like, when's the last time these people have ever heard the word sin? You know, it it was it was a pretty intense kind of a thing. And then so then, uh, you know, I'm kind of like you. I'm start posting on social media, little things, nothing like intentionally antagonistic or anything like that. But it ended up being kind of this back and forth with the other pastors of the church. And it's just it's like you were saying, it's this complete opposite world. And yeah. when, when you come to that confrontation, it's this clash and there's no, yeah. there's no way around it. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you got to make a choice to either um, stand for what you believe in or cater for the sake of your job, your mm-hmm. worship leading position, you know, yeah. whatever else. And, and I'm assuming you did what I did and you refused to compromise on yeah. your, on, or what was in your soul about what is truth. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And it, it was, it was obviously it was a tough decision and that sort of thing. But like at the same time, it's like, if how, like is me as a worship leader, it's like, how do you lead worship to people that you don't even know if they're saved? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 it's an intense thing to ponder. I think <laughs> it's pretty yeah. crazy. It, it really is. It really is. Yeah. And it, it got confusing when when, uh, you know, Joel Osteen's wife made a statement. I don't, I'm sure you remember that. She said uh, that we don't worship God for for him. Mm-hmm. We worship the Lord for us. Yeah. And and I mean, I made I think I think what happened is I reposted an article by Pastor Steve Camp. We, oh, we yeah. were talking about him earlier. Yeah. He wrote he wrote this thing on on Victoria Osteen when she made that statement. And I and I saw that on Facebook, and I was like, "Yeah, that is right on." And what's even cooler is this is my former favorite singer. Like, yeah. I love that guy totally. And so I was so excited to post it. And boy, all hell broke loose when I did that, brother Jeff. Oh, I, yeah. I got I got called into a meeting and warned and told that if that continues, and I would be expelled. And then I eventually got a letter in the mail, mm-hmm. and I was expelled from the organization. Now it hurt at the time because these were our friends that we had been with for 15 years totally and uh, uh we lost i mean we weren't like officially excommunicated but it was kind of unspoken right excommunication yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you know these friends that we we were dear with we we lost and so we felt we felt pretty alone for a while but it was the best thing god did because we learned to depend on the lord instead of on um you know the the networking system and so, so we're all alone in the world, and we're like, Lord, what do we do? Mm-hmm. But um, it's been, it's God's been good. He's been gracious to us. Oh yeah, for sure. And now I kind of want to ask you, kind of in within the Word of Faith, and you were talking about how it's not as much, obviously, or any theology or anything like that within within that community. And one of the things that I've been kind of vocal about and critical about is let's not rely on our favorite celebrity pastor for our theology, our beliefs. Let's use them as a springboard for our own study and that sort of thing. But it's interesting yeah. hearing you talk about how it's like, 
you're, you know, people are just following, let's say, Copeland or Osteen or TD Jakes or right. whatever it is. And it's like they believe it just because they say so. What what's what was kind of your what or what do you recommend for people where where they have friends and family and that sort of thing that are following somebody just because they say it, they believe it? What, what's the best way to you know combat that from a like pastoral perspective? Right. We have a huge problem with I, I don't know if you coined this term. If you did, I've stolen it. And I, <laughs> I, I'll, I apologize. But yeah. the, the term evangelebrity. Yeah. Um, I don't know if, if you invented that, but I, I but I, I don't I, know. I've, I've picked it up, but I'm, I'm not sure where it originated. <laughs> okay. I, I think I got it from you. I, okay. use it, I use it quite often. I steal your stuff regularly, but by um, all means, take it all. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, we have a serious problem with that. Get on, get on uh, social media and say something about Joel Osteen and you're, you're going to get attacked from a hundred different angles. Um, say something about MacArthur. I know you would never do that, but uh, not not a single time. Never, yeah. never. That's not the Lord's anointed, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah, I take that. I take that passage very seriously. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I've noticed. I've noticed that, and, and myself. That's why. That's why I lost my my fellowship is yeah. because I seriously I take that exactly. Uh, yeah. But of course, you and I both know we take that seriously. We just understand who is the Lord's anointed right. and and what you know what's not, but. Uh, but no, if you say something about one of these evangel liberties, you're going to get bombarded mm-hmm. because people are more attached to, I think it's American culture, People Magazine, you name it. They're more attached to these people that they idolize almost and not even realizing it, look up to, and they, they literally love these people. These people can say things that are doctrinally cuckoo. Right. I mean, just off the wall. It doesn't even. You don't. Have, you could be half orthodox mm-hmm. and know that, and and you will. They will get defended no matter what they say. Yeah. And um, so yeah, I think we have a serious problem with the man. And I would warn, to answer your question, uh, I would warn the young, and the restless, like they say, to fall in love with the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Fall in love with the scriptures and and make sure I think Steve can said this. Uh, uh, the best of all men are best of all men. Yep. And we need to understand that that humans are frail. They're fallen. They make mistakes. We all get off. But if we can stay committed to the text of scripture, then um, then that's the safe way. His word is a lamp into our feet, not Copeland's. Right. You know. Right. So that's what I'd say. Oh yeah, for sure. Now, what what do you think what do you think has led to the um it's like celebrity status of pastors? Cuz I cuz I, I get it when you're dealing with the word of faith. I mean, they're they're flashy, they're showy, they've got gold-plated thrones sitting on stage and, you know, like a, a lot of, you know, craziness. But then you get into what I always call like the good guys. Whether it's right. the Gospel Coalition or it's the right. MacArthur crowd or it's, you know, even the Piper crowd or whatever it is. It's this evangelistic celebrity status. What do you think has led to that? Because I feel like these guys, they should know better. They should yeah. they should know the difference. And you kind of to back it up a little bit is, you know, when I when I was going to um, a pretty big church with a well-known celebrity pastor and that sort of thing, it was you, you come into the church and it was more glorifying their pastor than it was glorifying God. It was, 
you know, we're so thankful and so proud that you could be in the presence and hear the amazing sermon of our amazing pastor. And we'll give you his book if you're new and we'll do this and we'll do that. We're so thankful. And then the prayers are, dear God, thank you so much for our amazing pastor and his sermons. And it's like, it, you know, it's like, he's like, it yeah. ends up being like the Pope or be like a celebrity. Yeah. And it's like, absolutely. Why, why is this happening now within the good guys as opposed yeah. to just the guys that are out on left field? Yeah. We've got Catholicism in the Protestant church, brother. Mm-hmm. There are, there are literally popes in, in Christianity and Protestantism and evangelicalism today. And if you touch them, then like you, we were talking about earlier, you're touching the Lord's anointed. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you're going to pay for it. But listen, that's what's been so heartbreaking coming from the word of faith and prosperity movement and then grabbing on to TGC because I was highly affected by John Piper. Mm-hmm. And he was connected with these gospel coalition guys. And I jumped in. Our church churches became members of, of that church. And jumping into that, I, we, I jumped into it because they were different. But I'm, but I'm telling you, Jeff, in the last year or two, I've realized the same spirit of celebrity in the Word of Faith movement is now in the Gospel Coalition, ERLC, in, in the good guys, as you would say. Yeah. It's, it's in them. And they jump around from conference to conference. They pat each other's back. They won't criticize guys in their own camp. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I appreciate the MacArthur's and the Justin Peters and, and these guys going after the Osteens. Right. But what about what about Piper, mm-hmm. who's gone progressive? What about Thabiti? Yeah. I mean, Thabiti is socialist. I mean, Democrat, Marxist. He'll he'll vote. He'll vote Democrat no matter no matter uh, if they're they're supporting the killing of babies and oh yeah and, and, he, and, he, and, and he and he flat out said it. he said it was more important to not elect donald trump than it was to protect the unborn exactly and ab- and abortion has just become another issue mm-hmm. you know they put abortion as an equivalent with with racism and and, and listen that there's a huge difference because uh racism you know in in the sense that it's uh, uh, practiced is illegal in many situations. Yeah. But killing babies, and we say that these babies are human, all right? We we make them the equivalent of two year olds, but we don't we don't act like it because if they were killing two year olds down the street in a clinic, what would the Church of Jesus Christ do? Would any other issue matter? Right. I, I say no. They're killing two year olds. Mm-hmm. That's got to be stopped. Well, listen, our doctrine. Our doctor, we say we believe that the unborn are actually human beings, the equivalent of a two-year-old, uh, children made in the image of God. And so the fact that we have abortion legal means we have a holocaust going on in this country. Right. And, and you can't be connected with a party that is promoting the right to kill children around the world. And Thabiti and Chandler and Beth Moore mm-hmm. and Dr. Moore. I could go on down the list. Uh, Ed Stetzer. Yeah. I mean, these guys are Tim Keller. They're making it okay to be Democrat. They're making it okay to be leftist, uh, mm-hmm. Marxist. And people are following these guys because they're celebrities. Yep. Big yeah. problem. Oh, yeah, totally. Now, now, kind of as you're talking about this, 
what you know there's there's the correlation and i feel like for the longest time in in response to the whole jerry falwell extreme conservative right sure sure all of a sudden we had you know christians need to separate and not be involved with politics or it doesn't matter if you're democrat or republican or you know whatever it is and it was it's almost like we went to the extreme after the whole falwell crowd right and then right. now we're going to the complete opposite side where we're going extreme progressive left and where, where is that coming from? Because I feel like even even the guys like Piper and Moeller and all these guys that have been traditionally conservative are now right. are now going progressive left, all that all that sort of stuff. Like, how how does that even like line up with scripture? Let alone why are they doing that? <laughs> yeah, it's it's terrible. They they want to make it okay to be Democrat or Republican. And listen, we're Christian. We're 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 Bible, but if you look at the platforms, Jeff, the, and the difference between the Democrat platform and the Republican platform, it's not even close. Mm-hmm. One endorses uh, gay, lesbian, LGBTQ. We're running out of letters in the alphabet. I I, I lose track. It, but, pretty much, if you just if you just throw in a letter, it's good. <laughs> yeah, because it means something, some some sort of creepy immorality. It, there'll be a letter for it. Yeah. But but if you look at the platforms, Jeff, it's not even close. If you're a Bible believing Christian, and and it, I got to go back to killing our our young, killing mm-hmm. the next generation, that has to be stopped. We have yeah. a Holocaust going. That has to be stopped. Right. Right now, so. and now now you guys with your church, you guys are starting to meet outside of a Planned Parenthood and that sort of thing. Talk, kind of talk about that and like what you guys are doing and how, how that kind of came, came into being. You bet. You know, Christians are, are tired of protesting. They, they, the protesting doesn't work. Um, they've tried it. The church has tried it. Uh, the, the church has, in a sense, given up on being able to stop it with anything that we do outside of voting. Mm-hmm. So now we're even losing voting thanks to our TGC friends and, yes. and, and Thabiti and them. But, yeah, yeah. but nonetheless, the church has kind of gone inside their four walls concerning abortion and that speak about it here and there, although that's rarely done anymore from the pulpit because that's kind of controversial and you might lose people because of it. And, but, but in a way now we don't look like we care about the fact that we have clinics killing tiny babies uh, down the street. Mm-hmm. And so so my heart has been, listen, the, the church doesn't want to protest, but I also want the church to look like they care, because I think we do care. Yeah. I think a lot of Christians do care, and I want us to look like we care. So I got this idea of let's plant a church. I planted about three churches. Um, two of them still exist. But I thought, you know what? I want to plant a church. I feel like, I feel like I, the Lord gave me the idea. I want to plant a church at Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. We're going to call it the church at Planned Parenthood, and what we're going to do is we're going to go there, and we're simply going to have church yeah. out there on the lawn. And so we'll go out there and sing hymns. We'll uh, have a 10-minute message. It's about a half an hour to 45-minute service, and right there on the lawn of Planned Parenthood, cars are driving by, and instead of seeing signs and protesters and, and all that, they're seeing a bunch of Christians out there singing hymns. Uh, worshiping God, we're taking up an offering for mm-hmm. the cause and having a message on it. And uh, 
our we had our first one and we had over 200 people around 200 people there nice and and so we're really excited our next one is coming up uh, in the last uh at the last wednesday in november so we're mm-hmm. excited about that. that that's very cool and i and i, th- and I think that kind of kind of there's kind of like a this fine line of you know taking a stand versus showing Christ's love to the world and, and yeah. I, because I think that what ends up happening is when we start taking on the mentality of let's go protest and let's go you know all that all that sort of stuff you end up having this portrayal of you're you're hating everybody and you are condemning them and even though they're in sin it's like we're in sin too. We're all in this. It's just we get we got to deal with this the right way and biblically. Like like for example, uh, we went to a big Disney event because my wife and I are huge into Disney and that sort of thing. And as we're waiting in line to go in, there was like the whole Westboro Baptist crowd that were there protesting with signs that everybody who enters this building is going to hell and you all hate God and all that kind of stuff. And so it's like. All, all that did was they became laughingstock and they became right. like, you know, oh, those guys are just the crazy Christians. And it's like, but right. I'm in the line and I'm a, I'm a Christian, but it's like they make me look bad. Whereas if you're just right. if you're just showing up and you're having a worship service and you are being positive and giving a good alternative but being clear in the truth, I feel like that's a much better way of doing it than the whole you're – screaming and yelling and firing brimstone to people that when they don't have any context, you know? Absolutely. And I think that's why so many Christians came. I mean, I hardly did any uh, marketing on it. I hardly invited any pastors to join me, though that's my future goal. Right. And and people kept coming, and I could not, I was floored. I was expecting maybe 30 to 50 people, but um, like 200 people for the first one, it was, it was an unbelievable thing. I think Christians are looking for a way to show that they care without being Westboro Baptist. Right. And so this idea, the church at Planned Parenthood, I'm hoping it's going to sweep the country. I'm a little guy with a, with a big dream, totally. but, but, but I'm hoping it's going to sweep the country and get in other cities where the church will just meet once a month and gather and worship God. Mm-hmm. I mean, and there's no signs, there's no protest. It's just worship God and, and show that we care. Right. And, and so I'm super excited about it. I think I think the Lord's already blessing it. Totally. Totally. And so so what what was the what was the response from like Planned Parenthood or any anybody from their side? You know, you know. What, wow. What... <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad you asked because this, this this is so exciting. We got there that we started our service at 530 mm-hmm. and and um, Planned Parenthood is open till six in, in Spokane. OK. We got there at 5.30. We started the worship. People were coming from everywhere. And the Planned Parenthood staff fled the building. They saw all these Christians showing up. They ran out to their cars. You could tell they had like a little 911 situation going on. They fled the building, got in their cars, and peeled off and ran. And I was reminded of that proverb that that talks about the wicked flee Mm -hmm. when no one pursueth. Yeah, but the, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. That's literally what happened. They ran scared of a bunch of worshipers. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it brought great joy to my heart. Oh yeah, for, yeah, for sure, totally. So it, it'll be interesting to see how, as time progresses, how, like what kind of interactions that you have with with 
some of them as well. Because I think probably what they assume is, oh, there's a bunch of Christians. Uh, let's get out of here before they start yelling and screaming and throwing rocks at us. Um, <laughs> so, But it would be interesting to see if any good conversations kind of come out of that. Because I think I think that what what's happened a lot of times is that Christians get into these yelling matches and arguing yeah. and mm-hmm. – and mm-hmm. I think what ends up happening is you can't have a conversation with people and you're never going to convince anybody by just yelling and screaming and having signs that it says God hates you. Like you're never going to yeah. get, you're never going to convince anybody. But yeah, if, but if you right. go and you explain, here's what the truth is, here's what the Bible says, but that doesn't change the fact that I still love you or I still care about you and mm-hmm. I want to see you, you know, right with God and that sort of thing. Yes. You know, I feel, I feel like because you have the Westboro Baptist, that paints the rest of us insane. Yeah. And I, yeah. You know, I, so I really commend you for kind of what you're doing. Cause I think that, I think that's a great, obviously alternative to that, yes. whole, that whole scene. Yes. That's the goal. That's the goal. And, and, and I'm really excited about it for sure. So, so kind of which, that kind of transitions us a little bit into, you know, today is election day as we're recording this and that sort of thing. So with, with Christians and like people in your church and that sort of thing, they're coming to you. They ask, you know, how do I vote? How, like what, what, at what point should I try to legislate our morality? At what point should we be voting for freedom? Even if that means that that's allowing it, uh, like sin to be legal. Like what's, what's that line and how do you counsel people when they're go- going into the voting booth? Um, you know, I, I think uh, we have an obligation to um, vote uh, God's kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, meaning meaning that uh, God has ways, he, he has thoughts that are higher than our ways and higher than our thoughts. And we have to trust him as to what is truth uh, from his word. And um, I think we need to vote God's word, mm-hmm. what God's word says about uh, abortion, uh, what God's word says about marriage, what God's word says about righteousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, we live in a day and age where good has become evil and evil has become good uh, because the world has no compass. They've, they've done everything they can to get God out of uh, the secular public arena and so nobody knows what is right and wrong anymore. But as Christians, we know. Mm-hmm. We know what's right and wrong. We have true north. We have a compass. His word is a lamp unto right. our feet and a light unto our path. So I think I think um, preachers need to be vocal about this. Uh, I, I think um, people need to uh, vote God's laws into American law. And I'm not talking about a theocracy. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about a constitutional republic where we the church is people too remember that old that old thing we used to do here's the church here's the steeple open the door and see all the people right uh we're the people too yeah and and it, this country the king of this country is we the people mm-hmm. and if the the people don't get out of the steeple and 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 get to the the voting booths and and vote god's righteousness then this country will continue to slide into the abyss, and, yeah. and I'm I'm praying for. It. We're a great country. I love this country. You know I do. I know you do too. For sure, uh, we love this country, but we've got to fight for it because because we're losing it. We're losing it little by little. Right now, now you know I kind of want to push you a little bit on on that to a certain degree in the, in the sense of 
so when, when we're dealing with like voting voting you know like the bible and voting our morality and voting you know god's laws and that sort of thing at what point do we want to um impress upon the the world our morality in the sense of legality wise versus freedom and then preaching the gospel from there and then allowing people to make decisions so like like for example obviously you and i we both believe that homosexuality is a sin there's no such thing as gay marriage in the sense of before god you know because marriage is between a man and a woman and god right but from but from a legal standpoint is is banning gay marriage the best the best strategy in the sense of okay so we ban gay marriage that's not going to stop anybody from being gay it's not going to bring anybody to repentance or that sort of thing and so I keep going back and forth in my mind. Okay, what what's the best way to do it? Is it right? Is it ban it? Is it you know like I kind of take the Ben Shapiro approach of let's just get the government out of marriage altogether, and then we can make commitments before too. God and that sort of you know. So where where's that line, and where do we want to legislate our morality? Whereas don't we? I mean, I agree with you. Abortion, obviously, number one, ban it altogether. But w- for the rest of this stuff, where where do we go from there? Yeah, you're asking me, and I pastor in the state of Washington, where <laughs> where everything's legal. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, we're, we're we're down here in California. We we got we got quite a bunch of uh, legalities down here too. <laughs> well, that's true. I, I think you might uh, you might even have one upped us up here in Washington, yeah, out yeah. there in California. But but uh, no, I think um, if you look at the scripture, where it says righteousness exalts a nation. Mm-hmm. I think the more righteous our laws are as a nation, the the more God will bless us, uh, or you know, with with, with uh, His blessing, um, because this nation will have chosen to follow Him, and uh, the more we allow our laws to not reflect the law of God. Um, I think I think the more our nation as a whole uh, will come under his his judgment. Um, but I do hear what you're saying mm-hmm. in the sense that laws aren't going to change hearts. Yeah, uh, the gospel is going to change hearts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Holy Spirit changes hearts, and and uh, so we aren't going to save this country ultimately with laws. Mm-hmm. But I believe we ought to fight for our nation's laws to match up with biblical morals and biblical law. Now we're losing that fight. Yeah. Um, marriage is unfortunately now legal and I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, you know, the church has always been in charge of marriage and it wasn't until early 1900s, the early 1900s that that changed even yeah. in this country. Mm-hmm. And it became a government thing. Well, since when does the government do good at anything? Yeah. Uh, I, I can't remember a single thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, if you want to ruin something, put it in the hands of the government and, and we'll watch it be destroyed. Right. And and they're proving once again that they have no ability to uh, manage marriage and, and things of that nature. So I think I'm like – I'm not – I don't think – I know I'm like you mm-hmm. and I think I think it ought to be a church thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. So so now kind of again, kind of going off of the, you know, the politics and how we vote and that sort of thing, we can kind of bring it back to the gospel coalition and that whole crowd as well, because they're getting so politically Mm. active. 
and mm-hmm. not in any way that lines up with scripture by any means. But mm-hmm. again, like we were saying earlier, these guys are the the good guys. It's the Matt Chandlers, right. it's the Pipers, it's the Tim Keller, it's the you know all the all these guys that can sell out a, arenas from the reformed crowd. Yeah. Um, yep. Like where where does that where does that leave us right now in the sense of who to look up to? Um, how how do we protect our churches from their influence and that sort of thing? My goodness, um, that's the scary thing, Jeff. That's why I think you're a little bit exasperated uh, sometimes on on Twitter. That's why I'm a little bit exasperated mm-hmm. um, because the guys that we counted on are abandoning the principles uh, that we believe in of God's word. And, and these these guys that are so political, of course, their mantra is we're not political, right? right. I mean, they, they preach don't be political, but they're the most political of all. Mm-hmm. And and trying to pull the church into, into both parties equally and, and they're, they're so political. So I think it, it, it it's going to have to be a, a grassroots movement. Guys like Pastor Steve Camp, uh, Janet Mefford, yourself, Brandon House, Trom Hadian, uh, these like, like, uh, our church, I pastor a church of 200 people. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not even close to mega. We're 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 minor. We're one of the minor prophets. But but I, but I, I kind of want to throw this in there a little bit too. Is that you still have a hand in your in your local church and influence, and you're walking through life with them. And I think what ends up happening is everybody wants a big mega church, but yep. as soon as you get over a certain number of people, you can no longer minister to your local community because now you're drawing in people from surrounding communities. Now you're too big. Right. Now you you know you can only remember so many names. You know, right. So I appreciate, right. you know, when, you know, when I talk to pastors that are that have churches of 200, 500, 300, whatever it is, it's like, no, you you guys are the ones that are actually doing things right. You're in the trenches. You're talking to people. You're ministering to people. It's not just I show up on Sunday and put on a show. Right. Right. I, I think uh, it might keep our sanity, that our spiritual sanity, the fact that we're in the trenches and we're living with the people. We're living with the sheep. It's like Pastor Steve Camp. Mm-hmm. He uh, was offered a church of, you know, a, new, a, a large amount of people and and offered a church of a hundred and something. Yeah. And he took the church of a hundred. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and and Pastor Steve is is so vocal and, and just stays on point. He just amazes me year after year. Yeah. So I, I think it's going to be the, the those small church pastors that that have nothing to fear. We, we don't we don't have to worry about losing millions of dollars because we don't have millions of dollars to lose. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, if I lose, you know, some of my, it's okay. You know, it's not the end of the world. Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. And so and so, so now looking at, like, the Gospel Coalition and the Molers and the, and the Tim Kellers and that sort of thing, what's, what's going to be the biblical response that – these pastors and churches and congregations should have to these guys that have been influencing the church for decades. Like, like how, how do we combat that in all reality from a biblical perspective? You know, we need more guys like you, Jeff. Um, we need, we, these guys need to be called into account. And I think you get at such a level in your evangel status that you become untouchable. We even preach verses about it. Like touch not the Lord's anointed. And we have these popes that can't be touched. They can say it and do anything. But Jeff, it's guys like you and myself and others that that uh, with 
respect for the word of God, with respect for the office of pastor and, and elder and all that, a balanced approach, but also being Bereans and holding them to account because they're out of control. And and uh, so that's my prayer mm-hmm. is that we have more folks like you because they'll listen to the masses. Yeah. If we get a, if we get enough, um, they'll listen. Right. Um, because it'll affect some of the things they're driven by. Right. Well, you know, and, and unfortunately, you know, and it's not to attribute motive to every single one of those big name pastors by any means. But, right. at, the, but at the same time, I think that if if the masses started changing and calling them to account and stopped going to their conferences that are selling yes. out arenas and, you know, that sort of thing, stop buying their books and yes. and that sort of thing, I feel like they'd be like, okay, what, what do I need to do in order to stay afloat? What do I need to do to keep the donations yes. coming in? And unfortunately... I feel like that's that's the world that we're that we're in right now. You know, it's it, it's crazy. isn't that sad? It is. Isn't that sad? Yeah. It's, but but it's like I can hardly go to Lifeway anymore. Yeah. You know, because there's Beth Moore everywhere, and there's and and I'm not Beth Moore's illegal in our church now. Yeah. Her, her Bible studies are illegal. Her her uh, books, I I, you know, so yeah. If if more people would do that and say no, Beth Moore, until you you know, behave yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're not going to buy your stuff, but as long as she's floating, mm-hmm. um, she's not, she's probably not going to get the message. Right. For sure. And so I, I think it was, what was it about a week or so ago, you and myself and Steve kind of got into it a little bit with, with Justin on Twitter and kind of had, had a little conversation about, uh, you know, like in like, so I feel like, the Joel Olsteins and the TBNs, those are that's like the low hanging fruit. That's it's anybody with the Bible in a brain can know that Joel Olstein's off. I mean, even a lot of my non Christian friends are like, that Joel Olstein guy, he just he's <laughs> creepy and I don't get what's up with him and he can't stop smiling and you know, all this kind of stuff, you know. Um but but to me it's like yes, that needs to be confronted because it's yeah. error. And yes. obviously a lot of people are following him and a lot of people are following TBN and that sort of thing. But yes. we're also seeing a major compromise happening within the church, within right. the within the good guys. And there's not as much confrontation from the good guys against the error coming in within our own church. So where, where are you on that in the sense of, you know, the, obviously we need to confront all error, but... Right. Do we need to prioritize? Like, how, how do we decide what is the error that we need to be confronting? Right. And I and I think um, the urgency is where the battle is, where the battle rages. And I think everyone that is uh, of your and I's persuasion, um, we know the word of faith and prosperity movement is wrong. And, and we're going to keep saying it's wrong. Totally. We know it's wrong. Mm-hmm. But the battle rages right now within TGC within the Southern Baptist Convention, which is which is going extremely progressive liberal as a whole, um, even though there's good people in there uh, holding holding tight. Yeah. Um, ERLC, Dr. Moore, is is out of his mind. You know what would be so refreshing, Jeff, is if a guy like uh, Dr. John MacArthur, uh, Phil Johnson, Justin Peters would prosecute their own friends. Mm-hmm. Joel Osteen and Justin Peters are not friends. Yeah. They're not sure. hanging out. 
doing conferences together. You will not find MacArthur and Osteen doing a conference together. Yeah. <laughs> but you will find MacArthur doing a conference with Chandler. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Constantly, too. Or Keller. Mm-hmm. Or, or Dr. Moore. Yep. I think what we were saying, you and I and, and Pastor Steve and other guys involved in this, what we were saying is, Justin, we appreciate you nailing Joel for the 20,000th time mm-hmm. this year on Twitter. Right. But we need you, Brother Justin. We need you, Dr. MacArthur, because they're not listening to the nobodies like, like myself. Yeah. They're not going to listen to us. But can you imagine if, so, if somebody with the clout of a John MacArthur mm-hmm. confronted his own and publicly, like like the Bible says, uh, uh, Paul opposed Peter to his face in front of them all. Think about Paul and Peter. They had to have been really good friends. Oh, yeah, for I sure. Mean, and, and neither one of them desired to embarrass the other. But Paul saw extreme error in Peter, and Paul was not afraid to stand up to his own friend uh, in his own group. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, that's what we need, Brother Jeff. We need an Apostle Paul, so to speak, within this group. We talked about the masses. That's true, too. Right. But I think also even more effective would be a MacArthur or a Justin to stand up. Leave Osteen alone for just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's always going to be there. Yeah. We, 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 come back, we come back our, to him in a little bit. Yeah. 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 But here's where the battle rages right now. And we got to show up where the attack is. Yeah. So I'm um, sorry to be passionate about that. No, but, no, but, by all means. But but I, I want to we need a MacArthur, Justin Peters. We need you. We need you, MacArthur. And I wasn't trying to criticize them. I don't think you were. Anybody else was. No, uh, we're just asking for their help. Right. Well, you know, and, and that's the thing is, is, again, it's word of faith, charismatics. They're wrong. We all we all know that. And I feel like we keep, you know, there's these more documentaries and there's more sermons and there's more books that keep coming out. And yes, a handful of people are changing their minds slowly as the information still gets out there. But I feel like we're not we're not really changing a whole lot of minds. Whereas whereas right, right now with this battle that we're having yeah. with the Matt Chandlers and the Pipers and the Kellers and all that kind of stuff, it's like there's there's a lot of potential to nip this in the bud before it gets out of control. And it's in all reality, it's almost out of control as it is. I, I don't I don't it's see deep. I don't see it's how deep. we're coming back from this, you know, it's at, deep. at any time soon, you know. Um, just watching, uh, just watching Ed Stetzer and 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 Beth Moore and Doctor Moore on Twitter today on Election Day. It's just, yeah, it, it got its tentacles in. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And so, so when you're talking about having, you know, a big name pastor like a MacArthur or even a Phil or even a Justin or you know one of those guys confronting the Gospel Coalition. I feel like, you know, we've got we've got the social justice statement which came out of the MacArthur crowd. And I feel like that yeah. was that was a good first step. Absolutely. Um but that to me that's not the end all be all. You know, right. there's there's still a battle. It's like, okay, we def- we right. defined our terms, but now we yeah. actually have to go out and combat the error. Um yeah. but I think the hard part is is that like you were saying, there, so many of them are friends and so many of them speak at the same conferences and so yep. many of them promote each other's books. Yep. You know, I think I think it was Phil that was talking about MacArthur uh, cuz you know, you've got this crowd that's saying social justice is more dangerous than word of than word of faith 
and I believe that was that was MacArthur in one of his either Q and A's or sermons right. or something like that. So if it is, why aren't we taking it as seriously as we did Strange Fire? Right. You know, if we're gonna have a Strange Fire conference, how about how about we have a uh, strange politics? <laughs> yeah. Strange Marxism, strange leftism. Yeah. Uh, conference. But but here's the right? thing. But here's the thing though is that they can't do that because when you look at who speaks at Shepherd's Conference. It's Mark Dever, who was partnered with Living Out until very recently. I think he was getting too much blowback. It's H.B. Yep. Um, Charles, who's on the Gospel Coalition. It's Al Mohler, who's on the Gospel Coalition. It's basically the entire lineup besides the, besides the Grace Community Pastors is the Gospel Coalition. So how do right. you have a conference if you're not willing to separate from the guys that you're saying are promoting the theology that's more dangerous than Word of Faith? You know, it's it, it just it doesn't doesn't make sense to me. And I just don't get why they're not taking it as seriously as I think we wish that they would. Yeah, there is a lot of money involved. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of money involved in these conferences. You, you've seen the arenas packed out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, when you, I mean, when you think when you think about it um, and and I'm and I'm only bringing up Shepherd's Conference because I've been there and I know the numbers and I know who's been there. It's not to rag on Shepherd's Conference because in all reality, they do a great job of training pastors to preach the Bible. When I was there, I sat in a great um, breakout session with Tom Pennington where he where he basically was showing how every single one of the pastors prepares their sermons and lays it out. And it, it, like they do a great job of training people. Absolutely. But when you think about it, they get they have what three or four thousand pastors that show that show up, maybe five, and they're charging like five hundred bucks a pop. I mean, you're talking like millions of dollars just in that. Let alone you Absolutely. throw in the big arenas that seat ten, fifteen, twenty thousand people. Like right, like you're saying, there there's a lot of money involved, and then you throw on book sales, and then you throw on the the exhibitor, you know, booths. It's it's a it's a it's a lot of money. Is, isn't this almost like the money changers and, the, you know, back in the temple when Jesus was thrown over all the tables and, you know, it just, it, it doesn't make sense to me that this is where we're at right now. Brother, it's like the word of faith movement all over again for me. I, I've been to uh, John Piper's Desiring God conference a number of times. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we, we fill up the, the, uh, convention center downtown minneapolis i mm -hmm. mean it is packed pastors from all over the world yeah fly in and and then the book section and you, you just you you go home with like a box of books and you, you need to buy another suitcase exactly yeah <laughs> to get it home and and if you start attacking if, if paul starts confronting peter you're gonna see those things crumble but my prayer is that somebody would have the courage and the fortitude to do what's right and 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 watch God come through for whoever whoever does that. And that's my prayer. And I think that's our frustration with with Justin Peters mm -hmm. and 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 John MacArthur is like if anybody's going to do it, maybe these guys would, right? Yeah, exactly. Like like I used, I used to always say, like these guy, you know, the guys that were speaking at Strange Fire when when they were when they were confronting Word of Faith, I was like, in all reality, when you think about it, they're the last line of defense. Yeah, and yes. and so and so now we're we're seeing okay they're the last line of defense but they're not defending, so yeah. so now who's the last line of defense? It, yeah, and you feel so vulnerable and yeah. helpless. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. It's it's it it's crazy when you think about 
how much they've impacted like you and I, and they've impacted many yeah. other people. And, yeah. and in the past, they've always been the ones that have led the way. Cause I, you know, MacArthur's done a great job in the sense of back in the day, he confronted uh, the Catholic church and the yeah. ecumenism that was happening there. He confronted word yeah. of faith and charismatics. He confronted, he even confronted the, what was it? The young restless and in reform back when you had Driscoll in there in the mix and, you know, kind of right. bringing the vulgarities and the drinking and the, all that yeah. kind of stuff. It's like, praise the, God. Yeah. These guys have done a great job, but then yeah. now for whatever, for whatever it is over the last two years, I feel like the, the good guys version of the church is just imploding. And yeah. I, I've, I've never seen as drastic of a change in like 18 months as I have the last 18 months, you know, it's just, it's mind boggling to me. Yeah. I wouldn't have even thought it possible. And, mm-hmm. and I think, that's that's the exasperation that I've felt, you know, but it has been comforting because, um, you know, when you first start hearing this stuff and I started seeing this slide, I felt like I was the only one, you know, mm-hmm. that saw this and that cared. Yeah, that's why it's been so refreshing to find guys like you and Janet Mefford. I don't know if you remember when Janet Mefford uh, interviewed Dr. James White. Did you ever hear that interview? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh-huh. Man, she laid into him at the end of that. interview. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> And I, I instantly, I didn't know who Janet Mefford was. Yeah. But when I heard her lay into Dr. White for, for that interfaith dialogue at the end, mm-hmm. oh, boy. Oh, yeah. I became, so so I, I, though I'm exasperated in one sense, I'm telling you, Jeff, thank you for what you do. Um, I want to thank Janet Mefford, Brandon House, Steve Camp. The, uh, thank all of you for what you do. I, I know you pay a price for it. I see you get beat up, but it's like, Jeff against 30 yeah. <laughs> on, on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, like I feel, I feel like, you know, like when, when we're looking at the political world and the, and the kind of more social world and that sort of thing, you've got, you've got a handful of guys, you've got the intellectual dark web, you know, with guys like Ben Shapiro and Dave Rubin and Joe Rogan and all these guys. And they may disagree with each yeah. other on different, you know, beliefs and philosophies and that sort of thing. But at least right. what they're doing is they're having that conversation. And yeah. they may be polar opposites, but yeah. they're trying to rationalize. And it's not just uh, explain my perspective. You you explain your perspective and then we're equal. It's they each believe what they believe is right. But let's yeah. have that conversation because we all want the truth. But yeah. you're never going to get there without having the conversation. And I feel yeah. like that's kind of that's kind of where we're at right now in the church. Everybody's in their own little camps. And then they lob bombs at each other and grenades at each other in other camps. And then they go back to their own little camp and then they huddle around or whatever it is. And I feel like right now, I feel like what we need is we need that conversation. We, you know, there's the, like you were saying, there's, there's the group with Steve Camp and Janet Mefford and Brandon Howes and, and all these people that are willing to have that debate and conversation. Um, but in all reality, it's just like in the political world. I feel like it's, it's getting a lot of heat. It's getting a lot of backlash. And cause I think that, People don't want the conversation or else their empires are going to crumble. And it's sad. Yeah. Yeah, ab- absolutely. There, it, it, you know, the Bible talks about the dangers of riches and the, the dangers of wealth. And I think there's a prayer. Uh, I think uh, David said, it, God, don't make me so rich that I forget you and don't make me so poor that I curse you. Yeah. And um, that's why I feel like there's great hope uh, amongst those that aren't too high or, or, or even too low, but just right there in that, that sweet spot, that sweet pocket where they're not affected by money. Mm -hmm. Um, it's hard to be, 
it's hard to be too worried about money when you don't have a lot. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's, that's my world. <laughs> so, so yeah, no, your point is very well made and, and well taken. We need, we need a move of God, I think with, within the kind of the middle zone. Mm -hmm. For sure. Totally. And so it kind of like, right, right as we're kind of wrapping up a little bit, but we were, we were talking a, lot, a little bit about the social justice statement a little bit before. Um, and you know, you, there was a lot of signers and, and a lot of that, you know, we had, you know, in one of my last conversation I had with Steve on this podcast, he was talking about how there's like no teeth to the social justice statement. Um, and he compared that to the statement that came out from like the Chinese church, which basically said like, it's the gospel. We're not going to, we're not going to compromise, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. but what, what do you think about the social justice statement? Do you, do you feel like it was, that it was the right statement? Do you feel like it had enough teeth? Do you, or do you feel like it was lacking in, in some way? You know, I, I appreciated the attempt. Mm -hmm. I mean, wasn't it nice to just have something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was so refreshing just to, to have somebody say something about the goofy, crazy, uh, going on within, uh, the ranks. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would also agree with Pastor Steve that, uh, and I think that was where the the situation happened with Justin Peters. Yeah. Um, where I I agree with Steve, we need to hit it harder. It it was almost kind of like, hey, we're gonna make our statement. It's kind of like have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. And and uh, it wasn't like a UFC fight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think we kind of need in all reality. <laughs> I, I really do. I really do. Because otherwise, it's it's gonna go on. It's still going on. Mm -hmm. And um, it's almost like a, a a truce where where we've said, hey, we just want you to know how we feel. Yeah. This is how we feel, but let's still be friends. Right. I I'd like to see it uh, be stronger and a, a little more um, drawing a line in the sand. That hey, you either leave this this liberal progressive goofy stuff and we're not doing conferences together yeah for sure we're not gonna earn money together and sell books together we're gonna draw a line in the sand because this is a big enough deal i'd yeah. like to see that oh, i'd yeah. like to see it stronger a hundred percent and i think and i think that one, one of the questions that i feel like a lot of people that are kind of on the outside kind of looking in and seeing this debate kind of going on is they're asking, why is this such an important issue? Why is social justice? Why is leftism? Why is liberal ideologies that are infiltrating the church? Why does this matter? Because if we all agree in the gospel, what different what difference does it make? And so, like, what would be your response to somebody who's like, why does the social justice stuff really matter? Yeah, that's a great question. It's because it's the beginning of the end. It's the beginning of the end. It's not the end. Mm -hmm. it, but it is the beginning of the end. This is this is the same stuff that ruined the Methodists. Yep. It's the same stuff that ruined uh, not all of them, but you know what I'm saying. A, right. a large chunk of the Methodists, a large chunk of the Presbyterians. I mean, we're talking about churches, the Presbyterian Church, uh, that had a solid doctrinal statement, mm -hmm. and yet this stuff creeps in. This social justice, this uh, leftism, this liberalism finds a toehold in the crack of the church and it takes up residence and it eventually destroys them. They eventually leave the faith. And that's the issue. It's not that this ruins the church. Now 
It's not that John Piper's going to hell. It's not that Dr. Moore's not our brother. Right. But you and I both know, and 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 discerners know this. They they see stuff before it gets to uh, uh, extreme cancer. If you get cancer in the early stages, you're going to be okay. Yeah. But if it, if it gets a, a long-term foothold, it's death. And that's why I'm worried about it. That's why I know you're worried about it. We don't want to see the bride of Christ and the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, harmed in any way. And this is poison. It is poison. And, and it, it's got to be. So that's why. Yeah. It's not the end, mm-hmm. but it is the beginning of the end. Right. Now, do you, do you feel like it is compromising the gospel in some way? I do. I do. You have to keep the gospel primary, and then the works that flow out of us have got to be secondary. We, we care for the poor. Come mm-hmm. on, man. You, churches that, that keep the gospel first, they always take care of the poor. It's, mm-hmm. it's a natural outflow. We take care of the poor. We take care of the widow. We take care of the orphan. We're going to do that. If you're a real church yeah. with the real gospel using the real Bible, you are going to take care of widows and orphans. And, and the part that we're forgetting, though, of that scripture mm-hmm. is to remain unspotted from the world. Yeah. And that's where we're missing it. You can go take care of widows and orphans, but if you don't finish that verse out, mm-hmm. keep oneself unspotted from the world, then that verse uh, breaks down. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is, and I just had this thought while you were, while you were talking right there is it's interesting how, there is the diff- – obviously, we all agree that we need to take care of the widows. We need to take care of the homeless. We need to take care of the poor. We need to take care of all those people, right? But then the question yes. comes down to whose responsibility is it to take care of those people? Is it the local community? Is it the church? Is it the families? It, or is it the state, federal government, right, that's supposed to come in? And what's interesting is that you're having the guys like the Matt Chandlers and the Pipers and the guys that are promoting the leftist – ideologies you know tim keller is one of the main one of the main guys as well and they're really pushing for it to be the government's responsibility and i and i wonder how much of that is, and again this is just me throwing that out there we don't really know but it's an interesting thought is how much of it is we're putting that off of our plate as the church put it onto the government so that way we don't have to worry about it and then we can use our resources to further promote our church and promote our, you know, ideals within our community and buy the new sound system and buy new chairs and buy new, you know, sets and all the kind of stuff that they spend their money on. Like, I wonder, like, I wonder how much of it is let's get it off of our payroll and let's put it on the government's payroll. I don't know. I just randomly throwing that out there. (laughs) No, absolutely. It's so much nicer to give when the government takes somebody else's money and gives. And so we can feel we can feel generous by voting Democrat because mm-hmm. it gives us that feeling. Oh, I care for the poor because I voted for the government to take somebody else's money and give it. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, it absolutely is passing the buck. The, the, it's the Church of Jesus Christ's job to take care of their widows, and there's all kinds of stuff in the New Testament about what makes up a a real widow mm-hmm. that ought to be cared for. And man, there's so much in Scripture that tells us how to do our job. We don't want the government doing it. We talked about it earlier. The government messes up everything they they end up managing. So, right. uh, yeah, I think it's I think it is passing the buck. 
for sure, totally. Without so, a doubt. Uh, of course. And so so what what I want to do is like just as as we're ending, what what do you think is the the biggest takeaway that people within the church need to apply to their lives as we're seeing all this compromise happen. We're seeing, you know, the the pastors that we once looked up to compromising left and right. For the people that are, you know, just attending church, they're going to church, they're trying to be faithful. What's the biggest takeaway for them, do you think? I think we need to stop uh, looking up with googly eyes towards our human, uh, fallen, frail leaders. And I think we need to put our eyes back on the Word of God, get immersed with the Word of God. It's like Steve Camp said, no one ever became a liberal reading too much Bible. Yep. And, and so I think if we get back to the Scriptures and the principles from the Scriptures and the heartbeat of the Scripture and the, the spirit of the Scripture— mm-hmm. And that becomes who we are instead of following Brother Wonderful. Then I think I think there'll be a groundswell, and 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 really that's what we need. We need that groundswell of, of people that will will say no. We are not going to accept anything less than the the true truths of God's word. Yep, hundred percent. Totally agree with you right there. So. Really appreciate you coming on. I really enjoy having this conversation. I feel like a lot of these issues are things that we need to keep talking about and keep harping on and, and keep confronting, you know? Um, so if people want to follow you on social media or, you know, check out your church website or, you know, whatever it is, how, how can they do that? Yeah, you bet. My, my Twitter feed is pastor Ken RP pastor Ken RP is my Twitter feed. Our church website is cov C O V dot church C O V dot church. And uh, that's how people can uh, uh, stay in touch with me. For sure. And, and just, yeah, everybody, make sure you follow him on Twitter and, you know, keep up on everything that's going on and that sort of thing. If you want to follow me, uh, my Twitter handle is JeffTheGK. You can go to uh, gatekeepersonline.com for any blogs, podcasts, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so, but yeah, really appreciate you sitting down and we can have this conversation. Ho- hopefully we can do it again sometime. Hey, I'd be honored to anytime, and uh, thank you so much, Brother Jeff, and keep up the great work. I'm proud of you and proud to be your friend. Definitely. Thank you so much.